Welcome to Glory Stories with Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn was one of the top eye surgeons in America and has traveled to many countries in the world preaching the word of God. She also opened up an eye surgery center in Beijing, China, where she did free eye surgery on those in need. Dr. Vaughn will be sharing many of her personal experiences from God. In addition, you will hear of others that have known God in an intimate way and seen his miracle working power. As you hear about how God has worked in the lives of others, our hope is that you will be changed forever. Get ready for God to heal you, deliver you, and transform your life as you sit back and enjoy these glory stories. Welcome to Glory Stories today. I'm going to be sharing with you some very interesting things about God's perfect timing. Uh, I, I've learned lessons about this along the way. I'm going to tell you first about my medical practice. You know, I'm an eye surgeon, and I had been in practice for, well, over 35 years, and I really loved seeing the patients. I loved doing the surgery, but frankly, I was tired of the administrative portions of it and the government regulations, and at times dealing with employees could be difficult situations, and I really, I really wanted to sell my practice of medicine. So I list it with a broker who sells practices of medicine, and he sent some doctors my way. A few doctors came and looked at the practice, uh, and they liked it, but I didn't see anybody making an offer to me. So after a while, I decided, okay, I'm taking the, I'm taking the practice of medicine off, off of the sale list. I, do, I don't want to sell it. I said, Lord, I tell you what, I'm going to just let you decide when this practice is going to be sold. And I'm just going to keep on practicing medicine just like I am. I'm not going to advertise it. I'm not going to try to find a buyer. I'm going to let you find a buyer. The only thing I ask you, Lord, is that you, you send someone in here that's a consecrated Christian because my patients are used to being treated in a certain way, and I'd like for that to continue with the person who buys my practice. That's the only thing that I ask the Lord to do. And so I kind of I kind of settled out of that situation and and was continuing to practice medicine. Well, about that time, they came to the doctors in the building I was in and they said, "We've sold the building. You're going to have to move out of the building and find other office space." Well, you know, that's really not the time I wanted to be doing that. It means that not only the trouble of doing it, but the expense of doing it and but I had to do it. I had no choice. So I began looking for other facilities, and, and I, I had a man that was taking me around, a real estate agent, and looking at this building and that building, and I was, I was leaning on the Lord to tell me where he wanted me to go. So finally I come into this building that's not a medical building at all. It has attorneys and architects and CPAs and people like that in the building, and, and the Lord says, this is the building that I want you in. And there was one space that was a corner space upon the seventh floor, and that was the space that God chose for me. And so I, I just I settled into that. Well, you know, then I, it took a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble to get all of not only the, uh, you know, the furniture and the furnishings and things moved to the new space, but before I could even move anything over there, I had to tear out the whole interior of that facility because it hadn't been a doctor's office. I needed a specific office because I'm an eye surgeon and I need eye lanes to operate in. 
And so I had to tear out the whole interior of that space and redesign it, which I did myself, how big the rooms were, where they were, where to put this room and that room. And I redesigned the whole thing. They had to rebuild the whole interior of it, which takes not only the finances to do it, but the time to do it. It took a lot of time to do all of that. But once it was done, you know, we decorated it so beautifully. It was like the finest home that you could find with Italian leather furniture in there in the waiting room. And, and it was a glass building. And I had the corner, the corner of that building. So my patients sitting in the waiting room would be able to look out the glass wall and they could see the airplanes coming in and out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. They could watch the sunset and, and see the whole overview of, of the Metroplex area from that location. So it was a phenomenal office. It was a gorgeous office. It was the most beautiful office that I ever had. But during the time when I was having to go through all of that, all of that I just described to you, a friend of mine got a word from God. And she told me, she said, the Lord is going to make your new office a manger. And he said, just like the star of Bethlehem led the wise men to Jesus, so the Holy Spirit is going to lead people to your practice of medicine so that they can find Jesus Christ. It's going to be a manger. And so that thrilled me. That thrilled me because that's really the essence of my life is, is having Jesus Christ lifted up. And, and so I put... Uh, I put music in all the eye lanes, in the waiting room, and all the offices. I put an intercom system, and I got a CD player and bought soft, instrumental Christian music to play in the background. So it was a very peaceful, calming influence in the whole office. I put one of my books out there that I'd written called An Instrument in God's Hand. I put that in all the offices, all of the uh, waiting room, and, and the, the patient uh, where the patients would be waiting for me to see them. So, and other Christian literature too. So, and things on the wall that would say, you know, scripture on the wall and pictures on the wall. I, I just did everything I could think of to lift up Jesus Christ in that office. And, uh, and so the day came when all of my furniture arrived in the new facility. The walls were painted. The fr everything was fresh and new in there. And they brought in my big executive desk. I had to take it apart to get it through the doors. They brought it in and they reassembled it in my office and it ended up where my office was the corner office of that glass building. So I could see to the north and I could see to the west and had this panoramic view of the town that was absolutely phenomenal. In fact, people that would ever walk into my private office, it would just almost take their breath away at the beauty of what you could see out of that corner glass office that God gave me personally personally, my private office I'm talking about. So anyway, my big desk is now there. And so I think, well, I need to clean out the drawers. I had taken everything out of the drawers before I left my old office, but I wanted to get them nice and clean so I could put things back in the drawers. Uh, so here I am, I'm, I, and I, I'm cleaning out this drawer, and I reach in there, there's something back in the back of the drawer. So I, I pick it up and look at it. It's a, it's a postcard that had been sent to me 18 years before from Bethlehem in Israel. It was a picture of the manger, and I brought that picture to show you today. Uh, would you show them the picture of the manger? Uh, and so that was, it was like a confirmation from God that here 
this was a manger. He had told me it was going to be a manger. And now the picture, you need to, you need to get a close-up of this picture right here. You need to get a close-up of this picture right here so they can see the manger. That's a postcard, actually. I had it framed because it meant so much to me. It's the manger, in a literal picture of the manger in Bethlehem. So I was thrilled to have that. So the next day or two, uh, I went to have my hair cut. And so I go into the office of the man who's cutting my hair. And now it's February. And he has one card on his windowsill. And it happens to be a card of the manger in Bethlehem. I said, what in the world are you doing with a Christmas card in your windowsill and only one of them in the, in the, the month of February? He said, here, you can have it. And he hands it to me. Okay, so this, this picture is the postcard that was in my desk. Can you zoom in any, any more than that? Yeah, zoom in so they can see. You see it has a picture of baby Jesus laying in the, in the, on the spot, presumably, in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. Now, go to the other picture. Go to the other picture. Go to the other picture. You need to zoom way in on it. Okay, zoom in on it so they can see what it is. This was, this was the card that was in the window. I don't know if you can see that or not. It's not very, very big. Now you can see it better. It's a picture of the manger with Jesus in the manger and Mary and Joseph and the sheep and so forth. And it says the story of Christmas. That's what was in the windowsill of the man who cut my hair. And he handed it to me and he said, here, this is for you. Now, one of you need to zoom in on this other one over here. Okay, so about a week after that, I got, a, I got something, a, a, a package from China. And so I opened this package from China, and lo and behold, it's a tapestry with Chinese animals, a Chinese Mary, the mother of Jesus, a Chinese-looking baby wrapped up the way the Chinese did their babies, so this was a manger, a Chinese manger that I got clear from the other side of the world. The third confirmation, thank you, that's good. The third confirmation that Jesus had made this a manger. So I was really happy with that. And so I decided I, I just, you know, I don't care when this practice sells. I, you know, I don't care when it sells. I'm so happy here. This is the manger. People from all over the building would come into my office and sit in the waiting room just because the peace of God was in that place. And they, during their lunch break or their coffee break, they wanted to feel the peace of God. They'd come to my office. They may not recognize what it was, but it was the peace of God. I was very happy there in that new facility. So I didn't even care about selling my practice anymore. So one day, about three years later, I was in San Francisco at a medical meeting. I was walking down a hallway and my cell phone rings and I answer the phone and it's the broker who used to have my practice on the market for sale. And he said, I think I found a buyer who's interested in your practice. So it was a young man who, who his wife was also a doctor and he wanted to have a solo practice of medicine in the Dallas area. He wanted to move there. So my, my heart leapt with joy because they told me that he had been in China for a year before he went to medical school, which means he probably was in China wanting to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I, I was really excited about that. 
he came to my office, he took a look at it and examined everything about it, and he decided this is exactly what he was looking for, so he decided to buy the practice. Well, time went on, and all the, all the things that needed to be done were done. He'd signed all the paperwork. It was all ready to be closed. So I told the broker, I said, this was at the end of uh, 2009. I said to the broker, let's close. Let's go on and close on the practice. He said, no, we're going to wait till the first of next year. I don't know why. There was no reason. Everything was ready to close. So I asked him again a little bit later, let's go on and close on the practice, on the sale of the practice now. He said, no, we're going to wait till the first of next year. Well, I asked him the third time, and he said, no. I said, okay. So, okay. So January, I think it was January the 8th of 2010, they closed on the practice, on the sale of my practice. Well, I, in retrospect, I looked back over that whole sequence of events, and I recognized that every year that I spent in my new office, which was three years, Every year I spent in my new office, I got a higher volume of surgery, a higher volume of patients, and so the, the income from the practice was going up every year that I was there, which increased the value of my practice. And now I also had brand new, beautiful facilities for my practice, which also increased the value of my practice. So when I sold it in 2010, I got more for it than I would have gotten if I had sold it when I put it on the market because it was valued at a higher value. So I knew, I saw the hand of God in that. And I also noticed another thing. I had opened my practice in 1970, if you can believe that. I was, I was under 30 years of age. I opened my practice in 1970. I sold it in 2010. You figure that up, and it is exactly 40 years. 40 is a very important number to God. And I saw the hand of God that he wanted it, he wanted it sold in 2010 so that it would be 40 years that I practiced medicine. Significance to me. I'm talking to you about God's perfect timing, how what to me seemed to be like a, a delay that I didn't like at the time, turned out to be a tremendous advantage to me financially. And, and so I, I saw how God's timing was perfect. My timing was imperfect in, there, in many ways, but his timing was perfect. Now, I had sold the practice of medicine. I knew that God wanted me to move out of Dallas. So I started looking for another place to live, and I found another place to live that was out of Dallas. But I, meanwhile, I, I had been living in a condo, in a high-rise condo in Dallas. And so I need, now that I bought a new home in another town, I needed to sell this condo. But it took a little while to get everything out of the condo and ready for it to be sold. And, and then I put it on the market, and I made this ex exclamation to the real estate agent. I said, God's going to uh, sell this property, this condo, right away it'll be a quick sale and I was speaking that in faith believing that at the time and uh, that really didn't happen you know it just didn't happen and so the months started clicking by now now keep your keep in mind my position here I now have a new home I've purchased 
I have all the upkeep, the insurance, the water bill, the heating, you know, I have all of those utilities. I have everything on a new home. Now, simultaneous with that, I still have all the things that I have to pay on the condo, the condo fee, the utility, you know, I have all, now I have double payments every month. Would you like that? Double payments for your house every month? Because I now have two places. Okay, so I, I get very, you know, I get very pushy with God to sell the condo. I wanted it sold. It was a double burden on me financially. I wanted it sold. And I was asking him for that, and I was believing him for that. But the months kept going on. Well, one night, I, I came into Dallas again. I needed to get something from the condo. I went to the condo, and I walked into one of the bathrooms, and there was water pouring from the ceiling of that bathroom. And it, and it, that bathroom happened to have imported silk wall covering, <laughs> and uh, and it had come down all the the silk wall covering, all over the floor, all over the everything in the bathroom was being ruined by the leak in the ceiling. The ceiling had actually part of the ceiling had fallen down into the floor of the bathroom, and there was water in the floor. Well, I called the maintenance man in the condo. And he came out and looked at it. He said, oh, I can't do anything about this. You're going to have to call a plumber. So now it's late at night. You know what plumbers cost anyway? And if you call them late at night, you know what they cost then? I called a plumber. He comes out. And he, he did repair it, but it was a horizontal pipe over the ceiling of the bathroom that had, had sprung a leak. And the condo rules, I found out later, say... If it's a vertical pipe, they're responsible for it. But if it's a horizontal pipe that comes to your condo unit, you are personally responsible for it. So now I have the expense of redoing that whole bathroom in addition to the other expense that I already have. But I did thank God that I found it when it, the leak was still in the bathroom. It hadn't flooded into other rooms of the condo. It hadn't gone down through the ceiling to the condo below my condo. It hadn't done that, so at least God enabled me to find the leak early enough where it just damaged one room. So I, I thanked God for that. So the months went by. Now, I mean, now it was eight and a half months that it had been on the market for sale, and I still didn't have a buyer for it. But one night I had this dream that on the fourth or fifth of some month, I don't know what month, but the fourth or fifth of some month, that God was going to sell the condo. And that doesn't tell you a lot, but at least it tells you something. So I was so happy. I was so happy by that. On the 4th or 5th of some month, it's going to sell. I decided I was going to do what I had preached on many occasions. I had preached that Miriam, she was, uh, you know, a leader in Israel. And when they were fleeing from Egypt, they had to cross the Red Sea. And once God opened the sea, and they part, he parted the sea, and the nation of Israel went across the Red Sea on dry land. When they were safe on the other side, the whole army of, of Egypt comes running after them, going to annihilate them. And when the army of Egypt gets in the middle of the sea, the water comes over the army of Egypt and decimates all of the whole army of Egypt. God did that. <clears throat> well, when they got on the other side, Miriam takes out her tambourine and the other women take out their tambourine and they start thanking God and praising God and sing praises to God, long lengthy praises to God for delivering them and bringing them across the Red Sea. They were so exuberant and in such a, th a med uh, thanksgiving from their heart to God. But I had often preached, I said, you know what?
if they had believed God before they saw the water part, that would have been far better if they had taken out their tambourines on the other side of the river before they saw it with their eyes and thanked him that he was going to deliver them somehow, some way, they didn't know how, but they trusted the God, the God, the only God, God the Father, the Father of Jesus Christ. They praised and thanked God on this side when they didn't see the deliverance yet. They should have praised him on this side instead of waiting till they saw it with their eyes and then thanking him for it. And so, and I believed that. So when he told me the fourth or fifth of some month, I just started thanking God. I said, thank you, Lord. I don't know when this is going to be, but I thank you, Lord. It's going to be on the fourth or fifth of some month, and I want to take out my tambourine. In the, you know, I don't have a tambourine, but I want to take out and praise you on this side of the river before I see a solution. I know you have a solution. I'm going to thank you for it and praise you for it. So I did. Well, it wasn't long after that 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 I had a word from God. It wasn't a dream, it was a word from God. And this is what it said. Uh, what did it say exactly? I really want the exact words. Anyway, the, the essence of it was that he knew when it was going to be. That he knew when it was going to be. And that I, when, he, when he told me he knew when it was going to be, it gave me total and absolute peace in my heart because at that point I figured, look, if God knows when it's going to be, it's going to be in his timing, and he knows what my current situation is. So it, it, that means to me that he's going to take care of me. He's going to provide for me, even though I'm paying dual house payments at the same time, that God's going to provide needs for me, whether it takes, you know, 10 more months, whether it takes 10 years, whether I don't care how long it, it takes, God's going to take care of it. That's what the essence of it meant to me. So I had perfect peace about it. That was the first time that I really had perfect peace in my heart about it. And I didn't even care anymore how long it took. God was going to take care of it. He had given me that assurance. Well, it wasn't long after that. It was 10 days after that that I got a call from the real estate agent, and she said, we have a buyer for your condo, and they want to close on the condo right away. So, you know, I, I say, look, look at this. It took me nine months of waiting and once I released it totally to God, it took him 10 days to sell the condo. You see that? Well, so they, I, was, I was elated. You can imagine. You can imagine how you'd feel having nine months worth of two house payments for nine months. I mean, a lot of people have tremendous struggle with one house payment. Imagine two of them simultaneous. And so, you know, I was terribly relieved by that. And so I thanked the Lord by it. And so they... They sent me the, the papers on, the closing papers on the house. So I look at the paper, and, and you have to, I have to sign an affidavit that says, everything about this is absolutely correct. So I was examining it carefully because I'm going to put my name on there saying everything in there is correct. And I noticed that the date, I didn't know the exact date I bought the condo, but I knew the year that I bought the condo. And they had the wrong year on those papers. So I called the title company. I said, you have a, a, the wrong day on here that I bought the condo. I, I don't know what the day is, but I know it's not in that year. 
So she keeps me on the phone. She says, well, wait just a minute. We never make a mistake like that. Let me just look it up in the records. So she looks it up, and she tells me the date that you signed the papers to buy the condo was April the 24th, 1992. Did you get that? April the 24th, 1992. Well, why am I even saying that? What, what, different, what, what is relevance is that? Because I look down at farther down on the day that I'm signing the papers to sell the condo, it's April the 24th, 2012. It's the exact day. It's the exact day, 20 years later. Now, who can do that but God? The exact day. Does this blow your mind? April the 24th when I bought it, April the 24th, when I'm selling it. I mean, this is God in exactly 20 years. I see your hand in this. We're talking about God's perfect timing, remember? We're talking about. So it's up to the title company and the real estate agent to decide what is the date, the actual, that's the date I signed the papers. But what's the date you're going to actually close? You're going to actually be paid the money from the sale of the condo. What's the actual date? They set that. I have nothing to do with that. You know what day that, that they set it up? May the 4th, 2012. May is the fifth month, right? The fifth month, the fourth day. He said it was going to sell on the fourth or fifth of some month. Now it was the 5-4 when he said it would be on the fourth. Y'all don't act like you even understand this. You understand he told me it was going to sell. <laughs> sell on the fourth or fifth and here it was the fifth month and the fourth day so he he astounded me by confirming everything he told me along the way and showing me why I had to wait low those many years to number one sell my practice and 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 low those those many months for me to sell my condo because his timing is perfect and ours is flawed so so listen what does all this mean to you God's timing is absolutely impeccable. So if there's situations in your life and you've been waiting and you've been waiting, you've been praying, you've been believing God, you've been doing everything that you know how to do, you're putting all of your faith into this and still you're waiting. I'm here to tell you that God knows about all of that and he can take care of all of that and he'll do it when the timing is perfect, perfect for reasons that you don't even see right now. You may never see the reasons, but you may see them as you look back in retrospect, like I look back in retrospect, and I see the reasons that he waited to make the timing exactly perfect in a way that I could see and recognize and realize. And he's not doing that just for me. And he's not doing that just once or twice for me. He's done that over and over throughout my life, and he will do the same thing for you. So my word right now to you is to be encouraged. God has everything under control. Just chill out. Just, just have be at peace. Give it to, you have to give it to him first. If you don't give it to him, you'll never have any peace. But it's God's peace that passes understanding. It passes your understanding. That's the peace that he has for you in your heart today. Give it to Jesus, whatever it is. Give it to Jesus if you don't know Jesus, take him as your Savior and your Lord.
accept him as your Savior and your Lord, and then give it to him. And he will take it in his hands, and he will handle it. He will manage it with his precise timing. And when you look back at it down the road sometime, you look back at it, you'll say, you know what? He did it far, far better than I ever could have done. That's the way I feel about it. That's the same way you're going to feel about it. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. That's His promise. Did you hear that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. That's His promise to you today, to you personally, you individually today, and He'll make it turn out perfect. We hope that you enjoyed these stories of the glory of God. We believe that each story we tell will help build your faith and help to bring a miracle into your life. For more information about this program and Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn, visit her website at godsinstrument.com, her YouTube channel at Glory Stories Now, or write her at Elizabeth Vaughn Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 454, Argyle, Texas, 76226, USA.